Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Broadway Breakdown. I am your esteemed host, Matt Koplick. And I am your other esteemed host, John... <laughs> Stephen P.H. with Scavenge. I don't know, I just, I think I'm gonna go with like a Madonna share, just John type deal today. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm, then I'll go with like, I'm gonna go with just the first letter of my last name, K. Mm, like a drug. Exactly. It's I like am special K. That's a drug, mm-hmm. right? That's a drug. Yeah. Do. I mean, it's a drug. It's a honey. It's a drug to me. Oh, your love, my drug. Thank you, Ke- Kesha. Another K. There we go. <sighs> oh my Are we? Gosh, wow. Is this already a tangent? Twenty seconds in. Honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Matt and I are in. Uh, I don't know. I guess we could just call it our late twenties. <laughs> we are... there's no other word for yeah like on, honestly it um i was just trying to think of a way to explain it and i was thinking actually pretty much everything that we we're feeling right now could be pointed to the fact that we're in our late 20s we were texting this morning you know we we have our scheduled out times where we set you know this this is our recording time and i woke up and you know, I'm a normal human being, so I wake up and I spend at least 15 to 20 minutes watching animal videos on Facebook before I actually do anything to start my day. <laughs> I feel like that has to be added to the, the new cycle of sleeping for the next generation. You know, yeah. you, you have your REM cycles, you have your this, you have your Facebook cat video cycle, and then then you start your day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. But, but we texted each other. We were, we were both. I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm sorry. I'm having a, a slow start today." And he, come, Matthew. I mean, you just. I you, you, I yeah. Yeah, you you were the same, weren't you? It was. It, it, yeah, it was pretty bad. And I told John, I I didn't go to bed super late. I didn't get you know a short amount of sleep. For some reason, just my blood felt as if it was molasses. It was terrible. Mm. I love thick blood. Mm. Um, I actually have a reason. You know, I had one of those nights last night where I 
my my cast member that I'm living with out here, we decided to take a late night yoga class, and then we decided, of course, to do laundry at a laundromat at nine fifteen at night. So my night was just kind of a, a late night to begin with, like later than it would be for me. But because uh-huh. of that, you know, I normally I need wind down time at night. It's just even if even though it was my day off, that's it's just something I need. But I uh. I then finally, actually a reasonable hour, I I said, you know, I'm going to go to bed. And I went upstairs and I discovered a Facebook page that then kept me up until two in the morning. Jesus. Was it the, is it the whole, what do you look like as a woman app thing? Or was it something else? Oh, honey. Oh, honey. No, I just look in the mirror with um, a tinted lip chap on. Chapstick? Lip chap? I don't remember. Words. Um, Words. Words fail. And I, no, I don't need to know what that is. I found this Facebook group called Musical Theater Moments. Have you heard of this? Oh, he, I think he, it's a, is it a gentleman? It's a YouTube channel for a gentleman with glasses and a beard. Am I correct? I think it's, it might be Musical Theater Mash. It's a gentleman who go, basically does what we do, goes on tangents and offers critiques and reviews and whatnot. And he's, he's fun. He's cute. But I don't know if that's. What you're referring to? What are you? Well, he's not as funny and cute as us. No, I I actually don't know who that is. We're so cute. That's why we're doing a podcast. Yeah, because no one can see our faces. Walk into the room face first, except (sighs) your face, because you have a lot of self-esteem issues. Uh, Um, Honey, I put the steam in low self-esteem. Honey, I put the steam heat in low self-esteem heat. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No. It's how how have we already tangented from my tangent of a tangent? Um, so musical theater know. moments. And I I I gave us bullet points today. I was like, we need to be on topic, and we will get there. We will find our way back home. Honestly, we just have to first go into the woods. How do we not have a sponsor? Number one and number two. How is that sponsor not Adderall? Um, I was about to say that. <laughs> Seriously, how that should how? absolutely be our sponsor. How is it not? So. Oh, no, I remember what it was. I couldn't remember what exactly the video was that sucked me in. But so it's just this Facebook group, this this channel that posts these um, iconic moments in musical theater performances, either on television or in concerts or, um, you know, uh, now how all the, the filmed She Loves Me yeah, a Holiday Inn performances from, from videos like that. But... Um, I was, you know, about to go to sleep. My head was gently careening towards my pillow. And um, careening? Is that the right word? Karina, Karina? Sounds right. Sounds Um, important. Yeah, sounds important. Sounds fancy. And this video popped up that someone shared from this group. And it was Ellen Green at the Standard Awards in 1983 singing Somewhere That's Green. Mm -hmm. Um. And I know I've seen this video before, but it's been years. It's definitely been years and years and years. And I... Okay, well, let's say this. I do not condone condone drug use, but I may have been in a slightly altered state. And I started watching Somewhere That's Green, and it was the most intense out of this world experience of my life. I, I I know that I've watched her perform this number before, specifically this one, but I just, 
I had all these thoughts that I've never had about before Ellen Green, about the voice, about the how she came up with Audrey, how she came up with that characterization of her, how, mm-hmm. you know, there's that famous uh, piece of paper that goes, that is like, there's a picture of a piece of paper that goes around in infamy of the callback list for the original production of uh, Little, Little Shop. Shop. You've yeah. seen this, right? Where it's... Yeah, it's her Faith Prince. Isn't Annie Golden on there too? I think it's, so. It's, 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 it's all people you recognize and there's little notes next to everyone and, you know, it's it's this, so-and-so this, so-and-so this and Ellen Green's, it's like, was an hour late or something <laughs> on, on that order. And so, yeah. I don't know, I'm just... I'm, you know, we talk a lot about divas. We were talking about uh, Patty a, a few weeks ago and everything, um, and and their quirks and their quirks, I don't know, um, quirks and their cranks. I, sure. The I wish I could turn back in time, at least to a time when Ellen Green probably made even a little more sense. Because I feel that if I asked her this question now, I would probably break her brain. But I just want to know how she came up with that characterization of Audrey, with that mixture of a baby voice. But when she sings, it's a mixture of a black woman with a baby voice, with a soap opera star, with someone screaming, with someone whispering. And it's, it's so brilliant. It's so many things that should not work together, but do work together. And I'm just trying to think if there's been anyone in the past few years who has done something so out of the box that doesn't make sense with so many other different things, but it's so truthful that it works. And the closest thing I could think of was Jennifer Samard and... um, Disaster. And Disaster. But even, even then, I mean, I never saw the performance. I've only ever watched little clips religiously mm-hmm. because her performance in that is ridiculous yeah. but um I w- yeah do, do you understand what i'm saying just 100 yeah that her 100%. characterization is something that we don't experience a lot for, in performances anymore yeah well it's and it's something to make note of in terms of the choices that we make as actors and you know sometimes going out of the box it can, you can land flat on your face when you do it, but when it yeah, works, you, you end up giving these iconic performances yeah. that everyone else just starts to mimic. I mean, it it's such a ridiculous idea for an interpretation of that character. But then again, when you, I can imagine when that show was announced back in the eighties off Broadway, it sounded like a ridiculous premise to begin with. But it was yeah. sort of the there was such a point of view about that show. Of how, about how it was being presented, how it was being performed, and Ellen Green just sort of ma- uh, represented all of that in a human form. And you're mm-hmm. right, it's it's a weird baby voice, sexy, dumb blonde, but also soul gospel voice coming out randomly. And it, Truth, but girl. but there was also so many so many things about this performance that I also. Um, was was captured by you know of course we've now all heard somewhere that's green I don't know I'm gonna guess somewhere around three trillion times mm-hmm. um, you know especially if you've went to a theater program studied theater if you've ever taken mm-hmm. an act like a musical theater acting class four um, trillion if you went to theater camp like oh, I did gosh I'm sure mm-hmm. but the um the thing that was so interesting that I forgot about her version of the number is how quick it is 
she mm-hmm. let me rephrase how how bright the tempo is for the yes. four, for the first three quarters of the song you know there is one thing about Ellen Green she takes her time with every moment that monologue I'm pretty sure the first three minutes of the video is just her doing that monologue of with a sweet little guy yeah. just just me yeah and the toast yeah, yeah. Oh, but I will say, she takes her sweet time with that monologue, but the way, when she says, oh, I think about it all the time, devastates me every single time, the way that no one else can do. Yeah, it's such a payoff. That that's what that's what I'm getting to. She she's a storyteller that people do not give enough credit for, of how differently she tells stories because she takes all of her time with that monologue more or less zooms through the first three quarters of the song that we all know is a ballad, an introspective ballad, mm-hmm. um, and brings such joy to it. And then in the final few measures, what, the final 16 bars of the song, she turns it into that taking another two minutes and then just rips your heart out. And you're like, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot that you can do that. <laughs> she, she's, she's super capable. I would like to get into some of the news from the past week, some of which has been great, some of which have mm. been sad, and some of which mm-hmm. have been confusing, for me anyway. Yeah. Three yeah. three big pieces for me. Uh, well, dealer's choice, John. Would you like uh, sad, happy, or confusing on Matt's end? Um, let's go... Let's 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 start with sad, move to confusing, and end with happy. Just, <laughs> just, just how having sex with me goes, you know. <laughs> start oh sad; God. it's really confusing, but everyone's happy in the end, you know. Yeah. It's better that than the reverse, you know. Exactly. No or or a, to go happy, no sad, cry confusing. And no, no. I think happy, sad, confusing might be the worst because you start off with high hopes, you immediately get devastated, and by the end, you're just completely thrown as to what happened. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's so what, let's let's start. That's with why the... I don't have sex with Jeremy Jordan anymore. Honestly, honestly, no, I don't need to be confused that much anymore. Okay, so we'll start with sad. Uh, Would you say that Jamie Jordan was your Santa Bay? Uh... No, God, please, no, no, no! My butthole oh my completely oh shut just God. now. Completely oh shut. I just up. took a fork and I stabbed it in my thigh. That was so bad. Back, my hymen John. grew back, John. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, yeah. Let's start with this. <laughs> on that note, let's start with very sad let's start news. With the sad. Um, yes, there was a very devastating passing in the theater mm-hmm. community. Sunday, the glorious, and I mean that in every sense of the word, Jan Maxwell passed away, a long bout of cancer that I didn't know about, and was, and I think a lot of people didn't know about. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people knew about it. She had, uh, for those of our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with the work of Jan Maxwell as I am, or John is, or other of our listeners, Jan Maxwell has been on the Broadway since the early 90s. 
her story actually is very inspiring to me. She did. She basically kind of rumbled around in small regional theaters all throughout her twenties and early thirties. Um, just mm. like doing small gigs, not really getting anything or getting anywhere. And then she mm-hmm. booked a replacement track, I think a swing track in the original production of City of Angels in her early thirties, mm-hmm. and went straight from there into a doll's house where she had a full on role. She had like a, she had the second biggest female role in that show after Nora, which was played at the time by Janet McTeer. And Mm. from there just booked and booked and booked. And she never truly broke out as a theatrical leading lady, even though she had played leading roles. It's very odd. And she's, and she was a five time Tony nominee, incredibly versatile. If you haven't yet go to the New York times, because Ben Brantley wrote her just the loveliest, uh, obit. Mm. It's so so passionate and moving. It, she really was capable of doing just about anything. Uh, I would argue, with the exception of dance, which is not meant to be a crack at her. But having seen her in Follies, I was I went. This woman, stunning head to toe, will a hundred percent win the Tony. And then Lucy and Jesse happened, and I was more sort of angry with Warren Carlyle who choreographed it for throwing her under the bus. So I went, stop choreographing yeah. your chorus boys or uh, stop choreographing your chorus boys and work on your leading lady because she's having the time of her life, but chore- but dancing wise, she's struggling. Well, also don't choreograph out of someone's wheelhouse. That's yeah. like, that's the number one rule of a, of, of a, well, not the number one rule, but that's a huge part of being a choreographer. If you Especially. are given, you're, you're not there to make them, look bad just because you want something specific you were there yeah yeah i have have opinions on that so yeah we we can get into that too but i will say i was i was very fortunate to see jan maxwell in three different shows i saw her in the first thing i saw her in was lend me a tenor where she played the wife of the opera singer the diva wife Mm, of the opera singer and she was she was Flawless. I I don't in the play, right? Because there is a musical. Yes. Okay, there is a musical. She did. Yeah, she didn't. Uh, the musical hadn't hadn't been produced yet. This was a revival of the play. Gotcha. And I don't love the play. Like it's 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 a funny play, but it is yeah. it is very slow. It's a very slow starting play. It, it, it's it's a solid twenty five minutes until real laughs start happening. And right. that production was nice, but it was a, they were trying to kind of compensate for the first twenty minutes, sort of being build up to the laughs and kind of over staging everything. But when she came on, there was no, all the work that all the prep work she did in rehearsal that she did in tech, you, you, it paid off because you couldn't see it. It was, it was such a naturally gifted comedic performance. She was Mm. flawless. I then saw her in Follies where story of Lucy and Jesse aside, she and Danny Burstein gave two of the most nuanced, realistic musical theater performances I've ever seen that I just, truly adored and then i saw her one last time in city of conversation which was downstairs at lincoln center because lincoln center has the beaumont and it has the mitzi newhouse mitzi newhouse is downstairs Mm -hmm. and that was another play where i was like don't love the play but it's it was basically just a vehicle for her to kind Mm -hmm. of steamroll everybody on stage and she did it ferociously she was incredible and i'm very fortunate to have seen her in those parts and then a couple years ago, she announced she was probably going to retire from theater, which at the time seemed devastating, but it's not nearly as devastating as Sunday. So, uh, John, tell me tell me about your some of your Jan Maxwell experiences, if you have some. I would like to hear, because I just went on a, a bit. 
I don't have any. <laughs> That's the None? worst part. I don't have any. Um, I've never seen her in anything. I know of her body of work. I've been aware of her for quite a while. I did not know the story of City of Angels until I read it earlier this week um, after she passed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I, I've never, I never had the honor of seeing her per five lorem on stage perform live on stage excuse me um yeah so unfortunately i fail yeah but but um, but fortunately youtube is a thing so i'm yeah youtube you youtube youtube okay I'll, I'll, i'll try to find a youtube yeah i can i mean I've already decided that she's our diva this week, just because. But oh yeah, she, I'm into that. Yeah, she's her Phyllis was gorgeous because it Phyllis is such a hard role sometimes because she does get all the one-liners and she's sort of the easiest of the leads in Follies for the audience to be on the side of mm-hmm. in that sense because she has all the wisecracks, but she's also written so coldly that mm. it's it is a struggle sometimes to want to root for for Phyllis, but Jan Maxwell was sort of able to balance the coldness with a vulnerability that didn't yeah. feel like a cop-out. It felt very a part of the character, because sometimes I feel like actors try to make a character vulnerable or whatnot when it's not called for, just to make the audience like them more, and mm. it did not feel that way with Jan Maxwell. She was, she's a smart enough actress that she knew how to incorporate it into the role and make Mm. it still feel natural and her rapport with Danny Burstein was phenomenal her could I leave you was gorgeous uh it it I mean I did not I liked that revival there were elements of it that I thought were gorgeous elements of it that I thought were problematic as I said Warren Carlyle's choreography was not my favorite I thought he kind of shat the bed with both story of Lucy and Jesse and uh who's that woman but the two things that no one can dispute about that production are that Jan Maxwell and Danny Burstein walked away with pretty much legendary performances and ones that will stay in the Sondheim canon for a long time. Lucy's a lassie, you pat on the head. Jesse is classy, but virtually dead. Lucy wants to be classy, Jesse wants to be lassie. If Lucy and Jesse could only combine... Speaking of Warren Carlyle, I'm actually going to go into the semi-happy news today. Uh, Not confusing. Confusing is, I don't know if, I think what's confusing for me might be your happy news this week. Oh, Uh, interesting. But, yeah. Okay. We'll see. But it's just because it's a natural segue. Warren Carlyle, actually he, he segues into both of these. He, it's just, it was announced yesterday that Warren Carlyle will direct and choreograph a Broadway revival of Secret Garden. Yes. Which is, I, I'm, I have, I am still trying to figure out how I feel about it as well as how I feel about this announcement. Because it should be noted, there is no announcement of dates, of theater, of even which organization or theater it's going to go into because sometimes with these sort of things like with the prom they said mm-hmm. here's our opening date and a Schubert theater to be announced right Secret Garden they literally just said we're coming to Broadway 
sometime between 2018 and 2019 of next season, and Warren Carlyle is going to direct and choreograph. That's all they said. Yeah, uh, t- to me, this is why I thought it was the confusing news, because they've been doing that production that was at Fifth Ave in Seattle, and then they uh, moved, uh, or it was a co-pro with a theater in D.C. Mm-hmm. over the last few years. Do you know what production I'm talking about? Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, and then I they believe did... Daisy Egan was... And, um, um, and it didn't, um, Daisy Egan was Martha for Fifth Avenue and I think for DC as well. I think as so well. as well. And then um, they... Josh Young was in it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jeremy Kushner. Yes. That's who I couldn't think of. And, um, a, a good friend, of, a actually, good friend of mine, actually... uh, was in it as well. And, um, a good friend of mine too. Yeah. And so, you know, there was talk of that production going to Broadway with the, with the and everyone kind of. I had last I had heard was that was what was going on, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, yes, secrets coming back to Secret Gardens coming back to Broadway, but now with the completely different team, but using all the rewrites and everything they just did with this other production that was supposed to go to Broadway. That's why I'm just a little confused because yeah. how how did how yeah. did how did Warren Carlyle, who is known for I would say dancier musicals. Um, yes, he's very ballet heavy. Yes. How how was he suddenly helming this production? That, that, that is why it's confusing to me. I'm not saying it's a bad thing a- any which way. Um, I, you know, I just... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, it, honestly, it, it was made pretty clear to me sometime this summer i would say because so the the production that it's sort of been not touring but popping up in major regional theaters as john said it started off at there were even a few other productions of it was it at like theater under the stars too like yeah yeah, it it went multiple places yeah it went to three different places and there was also a production i think in either chicago or denver that was super minimalistic that got very high praise that they were sort of looking into that one maybe that one might go to broadway uh in some sort of polished version but yeah this production started off in fifth avenue then it went to dc and then it went to theater under the stars and i honestly think that they intended for it to go to broadway that was the goal and that doing it in all these different theaters was a way to sort of build attention you know get Mm -hmm. press and sort of build some sort of momentum from what I understand, the investors of it were not super happy with the final product, mm. at least physically speaking. They were not happy with the design and the staging and mm. a lot of the reviews. And the I think they I think it got pretty much great reviews in Fifth Avenue in D.C., but when they went to Theater Under the Stars, they got less than stellar reviews. Mm. And that was sort of that threw them for a second. Mm. And I don't, I don't know who directed that production. Correct, uh, I can't. Feel free to correct me if you know. I can't remember. I looked it up last night because I couldn't remember either, and then I forgot again because I'm an actual yes. idiot. I'm not even 100 percent convinced that the show could happen still because the announce when they when they make these announcements that don't include theater, don't include an opening night, don't include any other kind of creative team. Yeah, we, it we've almost seen feels this before. Like, yeah, where it's almost like they're saying it. So that way they can get more investors to be like, see, like we 
We're going. Yeah. We have the trajectory. Now we just need your money. It's a way of also gauging hype for it, I believe, or uh, exactly. creating hype for it. Yeah, I, I think you're completely correct about that. And I, I looked it up quickly. It's David Armstrong um, had directed the previous productions. Um, mm-hmm. And then that led me to an article about an exclusive that was done almost exactly a year ago on Playbill saying, what fans can expect from the Broadway-bound revival of The Secret Garden? Oh, how little we knew on January 21st, 2017. In so many ways. Oh, how, oh exactly. How little we did know. Yeah. I, mean, I love looking back at stuff like that and yeah. sort of thinking how, how different things I mean, changed. Remember, uh, remember the Funny Girl revival? Who would have thought that yeah. who would have thought that in New York City a Funny Girl revival could be destroyed and completely stopped? But it happened. It, <laughs> it did. It happened in I, full force. Oh honey, I I I could write a thesis paper about why I think that revival got stopped and why it actually could have still happened under different circumstances. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just me. To put it in short, I think that if Bartlett Chair had had went to Funny Girl immediately after South Pacific instead of Women on the Verge, mm. it would have been fine. Mm. Investors would have felt safer. But because Women on the Verge was such a bomb and his first big one, they were like, I don't know. He's not the golden child, Danny Mole. And Lauren Ambrose, God lover, no one at all thinks of her as Jewish. But that's, again, that's Bartlett Chair for you. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. Secret Garden is not a show that I particularly love. I um, love. I think the music is beautiful, but I've never been. I don't know. It's never been one of my favorites, so I I don't have a horse. I really enjoy the music to it. I've only ever seen. Okay, here's the tea. <laughs> I wouldn't even call this a production. Um, what I'm about to explain to you sounds really cool in theory, and it was, I guess, but it wasn't. Um, when I was in LA a few years ago doing a show. Um, a couple friends out there who were on the Phantom Tour who were also out there at the same time invited me to go to this thing. And damn it, it just flew out of my head what it's called. It was some kind of musical theater project or mystery musical theater. What was it called? It had a, it had a name, a very specific name about what it was. Um, but basically... Rep- was it Reprise? No. It, um, it was one of those companies where you go, you show up, and you know that a well-known musical is being performed that night, but you don't know what it is. And everyone in the cast has never rehearsed together. They rehearse separately with the music director and the director. And Ooh. so um, it sounds like a really cool concept. And, no. you know, I was on my way there, and I, I was thinking, wow, there's so many really fun shows that can happen with this that kind of lend itself to that kind of quirkiness that comes along when people haven't rehearsed and when they're in front of an audience for the first time and you know I thought there was some real magic that could have happened especially if it was a comedy or a simple Mm -hmm. show that or even something absurd with Bat Boy that already has problems and if you just add sometimes if you add something odd on it like that it ends up even being funnier um however (laughs) I show up to this theater in Los Angeles excited to see a, a musical that I did not know and the curtain rises, and there is a, gosh, just like the typical of a soprano past her prime, but clinging on to it with clutched white knuckle fear. And she when stand- she fell out of Kansas? And, yes. And she is standing. 
in a white gown, even though like no one else is really in costume behind her, and the curtain rises, and she just goes, "Come, Tommy!" And I was like, mm. "Oh my god, I'm about to have to sit through three hours of unrehearsed The Secret Garden," which <laughs> is what I did. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, Alex Wise was in that production as Dickon, and he should have won a Tony for it because he's amazing. So there were were amazing people in it. There were um, uh, Jordan Kybernet, who is a younger actress who I'm a huge fan of. She played Janice Ian. I think that's the character's name in Romeo and Michelle in the musical that they just did up in Seattle. The, the no, Janine, not no, not Janice Ian. I know, but I know who you're talking about. The, the Janine, Janine Garofalo, Garofalo character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, Janice Ian is Mean Girls. Um, yeah, I was like, huh? Doi, 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 doi. Uh, no. Um, so there were some really great people in yeah. it, but it was just so that's the only production of Secret Garden I've ever seen. And let me tell you, don't see it that way. <laughs> No. It, no. it was just like, why would you ever pick an unrehearsed musical where your lead is a 10-year-old girl who I, who is performing a show that she's never performed with stranger? And this girl mm-hmm. did great. It was just, why, why would you pick something no, that, like that? That's a losing battle. The second you were telling me the premise of this concert production item event thingy, yeah. I was just shaking my head going, uh-uh. uh-uh. It's like Danger Will Robinson, Danger. Yeah, that's like being like, you know what? I'm going to try juggling for the first time. And you know what? Let's do it with swords. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's, it's just, uh, I I hate when people have a great idea and then they put the cart way before the horse. And then you're like, well, you ruined it. You ruined it before it even started. You know? This this (laughs) is why we can't have nice things. It's okay to dream big. It's okay to dream big, but just don't dream stupid. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. No, no but that I, I mean I just came up with that, but I'm about to stitch that into a pillow. Those are happy slash confusing news. I'm intrigued <laughs> as to what you what you I were think thinking you, of. I think you know what my what the news that's confusing to me is. Which is, they've now finally announced the Grand Dom that is going to bring Dolly to the masses again. Oh, yes. And I mean, according, from I'm your social media, it. it sounded like you were super on board with this. I am not, but that I is. Mean, I'm here for it because how is it not going to end up living in theater infamy? Of course, whether it's successful or not, I don't know. Yes, it's it's so okay. Let's let's okay, let's set the scene. It's a it's a Friday afternoon, and John Wascavage is minding his own damn business when on Playbill dot com pops up a headline that says Betty Buckley will headline the Hello Dolly national tour. went what i see this is this is but here's the thing as as much as i just said dream big but don't dream stupid i'm here 
I'm I'm here for those ideas that also teeter the in between <laughs> to mm-hmm. see which way it's going to go. And this is the in between without a doubt. Absolutely. It could 100% be an Ellen Green little shop situation yes. where, you know, you started off making a meatloaf and you ended up making a casserole and the casserole yeah. was delicious. delicious. But it's the most delicious casserole of all time. Who knows? Betty Buckley is not without talent she is a talented motherfucker i mean so talented in her in her prime her she had one of my favorite belts of all time back me too in her youth her there's so we talked about you know with ellen green and patty lapone there are certain performances of certain songs that are just so iconic that no one has ever really been able to match them since Mm -hmm. and I feel the same way Betty Buckley, with Betty Buckley in regards to two songs. One is obviously the famous memory. No one has ever sung that song in a way that has given me such chills. Mm-hmm. But also, he plays the violin from 1776. That mm-hmm. song has only been thrilling to me when I've heard her sing it. And it's it, she just has such a very special voice. That said, I've, I've only seen Betty Buckley on stage once. Granted, I was... 10 years old and it was paper mill playhouse but i saw her in gypsy she was mama rose in gypsy Mm. and i remember it was i think that was the first time i'd ever seen gypsy and then i eventually watched the bet mittler tv movie which i still which i don't love but at the very least when i watched her when i watched Bet, yeah it's a thing and it's 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 pretty you know uh faithful to the show and there's nothing terrible about the Bette Midler version. It's just, it, I wouldn't say it's inspired. But point is, is that I watched that maybe a month or two after I saw Betty Buckley at Paper Mill. And my first thought was, oh, this thing can be funny? Mm. Because Betty Buckley, God love her, brilliant actress. She's not a terribly warm presence on stage, nor does she really have natural comedic tendencies, I should say. No, no. That's just, sort of, that's, that's just not her wheelhouse. And that's fine. Which is why I was so surprised with this, because Dolly is such a warm presence and is really a chance to ham it up, that I, I just, I wonder, I do wonder, wh- how do you, inv- in, in the best of, to quote Candide, in the best of all possible worlds, John, how do you see Betty Buckley becoming, uh, uh, giving an iconic performance? Honestly, I just think it's going to be insane. <laughs> And and I think I, I I'm hoping that's what it is. I'm hoping it's insane in a way that Dolly hasn't been played before. I just I I think yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know, Matt. It, I it's it's one of those gut reactions of I'm here for it. You know? It, Bells it, and whistles, by, baby. By all by all means it should and could be a train wreck. <laughs> It's, it, it, yeah, you know what? But, it could. It honestly could be. And but I also, I but I also feel like they would not. I feel like a producing team with this production of Dolly that has been, and I mean this in every way of the sort. There, I don't know if there's ever been such an anal production of Hello Dolly, and that's a statement that. I mean, that's a large statement because Hello Dolly and Anal go hand in hand. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> the original title for the show was Hello Bottom. It was, yeah. Literally, they used to hand out little uh, packets of Astroglide in every seat. Um, no, it, it's. It, I, I feel like this specific producing team would not make a choice 
this epic if it was not a choice that would have a payoff. You know what I mean? Sure. I sure. They, they I don't know. They they would not let Bet or they they wouldn't allow Bet to perform on the Tonys this year because they wanted very specific things. And when they didn't get their way, they they said, "No, we're not doing it this way." And so I feel that with this team, with the producers and and everyone, they know they're so sure of how they want this show to be represented, this production specifically. I just, I I don't honestly think that, I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. Could I be wrong? Yes. Was I wrong before? God. Ask, Ask my youth camp counselor who's now in jail, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> you know what I thought your happy news was going to be? Which I'm right. just shocked that it's not. A thoroughly modern Millie reunion concert. No, it devastates me because I didn't go. I know it devastates me too, but it's happy because, I mean, that video that I know you watched, I mean, I don't even have to ask if you watched it. And I'm sure, and I hope most of these listeners have watched it as well. The video that Noah Racy, one of the original company Mm. members, posted from the Sits Pro for this reunion concert of Sutton Foster and her... I don't even know. It can't be planned, but Sutton Foster had this has this brilliant way of when she is not on stage looking so disheveled in a way of like that's our Broadway star and then as soon as the lights hit her, she is so mm-hmm. stunning, gorgeous, charismatic and everything that you just you bow down to her. I mean, she's a stunning woman to begin with, but in yes. that video, you know, she she's has her hair in a messy ponytail. She's wearing you know, yeah. the you know, kind of like ill-fitting street clothes. She has the Sutton Foster um, bad posture, but yeah. you know, but she She's... just start, she starts singing that "Not for the Life of Me," and I was just transported back, and I, oh, I'm so sad yeah. I could not be there, but I'm so me happy too. that that happened, and I cannot wait to see more videos of the such. Well, because uh, hopefully there's more videos of it. Oh, there's a hundred percent more videos. They, somebody already posted her. Not video, but audio of her gimme gimme <gasps> on Tumblr. Oh, it's it's great. Um, yeah, no, I I'm all it makes that concert also just it's a sore spot for me because I went to try to buy tickets in the first half hour that they were on sale. Like I got myself an Actors Fund account and everything, and oh, wow. there were still there and there were tickets available. And yeah. every time I tried to purchase, they said, "Oh." Um, we're having a trouble with your account right now. Try again in 10 minutes. And I tried, I literally did it for an hour and it didn't matter. I would change a seat. I even like up to the, the, the price of the ticket that I was willing to go for. And every time they're like, Oh, we're having problems with your account. And I called and no one would answer. And by the next day, all the tickets were gone. And so I'm, I, it, I, it's to this day, it's going to, it's like the, the, it's my Moby Dick. It's what got away from me. <laughs> but I know I did watch that video. I know what you're talking about. Oh, honey, I'm just so sorry. I'm sorry that you lost your dick again. Your oh, Moby um, oh, no, Moan, I, yeah. be dick. So that's, uh, I mean, yes, it's sad that neither of us could go to it, but it's just so, I mean. It's fine. I saw the original cast anyway back in 2002. NBD. 
I saw almost the original cast, except for Gavin Creel. So I actually saw Christian Borle in the role. I saw Christian Borle in the role the second time around, too. Yeah. He, I had a friend in high, in middle school who was obsessed with Millie. Saw it like 30 times. As they and, should have. As they should have, yeah. And one of the 30 times she took me because, you know, some people sort of have those resources, I suppose. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'd already seen it with the original company. I was like, absolutely sure. Let's go again. And when I saw it again, Creel had left and it was Christian Borle. Um, Delta Burke was Mrs. Mears and the glorious <gasps> Leslie, Uggams. Leslie Uggams. I saw Leslie Uggams. Yes. That's mm-hmm. who else I saw. I was like, I know I'm yes. forgetting someone else that I saw that was epic. It was, I, I mean, at a ripe young age mm-hmm. with my Kate Baldwin, maybe. No. No? No, no, she no, was... no, no, It was Leslie Uggams that I was saying oh, that okay. I couldn't remember who else oh, okay. I had seen that was epic. Yeah. Oh, it was okay. yeah. it was Christian Borle and Leslie Uggams that had oh. joined the cast. And I think mm-hmm. everyone else was the same. Yeah. A lot of that company stayed with the show for a long time. Uh, yeah. Shirley um, Ralph, I know, left pretty soon. But yeah. that was but, a company that was say one Yeah. I mean, just that show is just... It, 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 it's such oh, a fun show and th- what it's a- such a fun show and that music and mm-hmm. and oh i and the um diva worship yeah years nope. later i saw tori kelly who understudied sutton and understudied sutton a lot of times mm-hmm. um she was understudy as reno she she's understudied her a lot of a lot of times mm-hmm. i saw her do it at the fulton a few years later and she was also just I mean, just a powerhouse. I mm-hmm. that it's one of those roles that is just so well written to begin with, and then when they cast these amazingly talented, smart, comedic, vulnerable actresses with mm-hmm. belts of pure silver and gold, it's just it. Uh, yeah, how, how how could she have not have won a Tony for that and have been propelled into stardom? Absolutely, and it 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 was a perfect marriage of role and actress. It was something that was mm-hmm. so suited for her because i mean when you think about it three of sutton's greatest stage successes and i I say of because she's had so many but three of probably her top would be millie drowsy chaperone and Mm -hmm. anything goes all of which are 1920s flappers belting and tapping their tits off Mm -hmm. so like you she i will say after seeing violet i went holy fuck this woman is more versatile than we ever give her credit for but oh so much if she if ever we could say that there was a wheelhouse for Sun Foster, I would say 1920s badass bitches mm-hmm. belting and tapping their tits off. Well, and, but that, oh, go ahead. Sorry. That's what I was going to say. So, so with Millie, it was sort of, it was a very perfect vehicle for her that happened at a great time in her life, in our lives, in, in Broadway's lives. And yeah, I just, I remember I, when I went to go see Millie, she had already won the Tony. So she was, Same. she was a star at that point, but yeah. it was, I want to say it was like July maybe. So it was, you know, she'd only been a star for like four months. So it wasn't, you know, she wasn't having a limo drive or anything like that. No. Um, I don't think she's ever been that kind of gal anyway, but I remember seeing it and I had not listened to the cast album yet. And already from the moment she came on stage, she was just, I could not take my eyes off of her. And then gimme gimme if if Sherry Renee Scott and Aida singing Strongest Suit didn't make me gay, mm. gimme gimme made me gimme, gay. Gimme gimme. Yeah, gimme gimme is responsible for so many people coming out. Mm-hmm. Um I'm sure of it. In the it. same way that a new Argentina made so many gay men in the seventies come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gimme, it's gimme. Like that was Yeah. So thank you, Sutton. Yeah, I mean I remember getting I remember so 
you know, throwback kids. This is what this is what we had to do in the day. I would go to my local Barnes and Noble, which was the only place where I could get Broadway um, cast recordings, mm-hmm. and I would fawn over these CDs that I would like read little tidbits about on the internet. I didn't know a lot about older theater shows. I wasn't raised on on older shows. You know, my parents didn't watch Oklahoma or Sound of Music with me. So I would find these newer-ish shows that were gaining popularity and kind of hear hype about them, and then I'd either buy and listen to them and see if I liked them, or, you know, in the case of Wicked, I'd be, like, waiting with bated breath until the cast album came out, and I'd buy it at Barnes mm-hmm. & Noble. And so Christmas, my first year of really getting into theater, there was, like, a list of 10 cast recordings that I really wanted and I remember, I think I got most of them, if not all of them. Um, but I remember that day, I, I wanted to start with, on Christmas, Thoroughly Modern Millie. And I remember it was snowing. And I remember I was in a car on my way to my grandma's house. And I remember putting that CD into my CD player, my portable CD player, and putting my headphones on and listening to those crisp orchestrations and that mm-hmm. pingy belt and Gavin Creel's sex voice, that voice mm-hmm. that is just buttery smooth, and just mm-hmm. thinking, holy shit, this is amazing. I mean, that, that show was just, it, it, it's, it, is, it is amazing. I, I, I'm, uh, I, I don't know. I, I love it. I'm so glad they did the yeah. reunion concert. Can't wait to watch videos of it. Same. It's, and it was the, the, a special show. To go back to the three roles that you say are iconic of Sutton Foster, I, I completely agree. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. And I, I think it's so important for young people to realize, because we had a teacher who pointed this out to us in college. It, you know, what I was saying about Sutton Foster in those moments of, you know, when she's not in costume, not being necessarily glamorous. Even even when she is the, the, the glamorous showgirl, she still kind of has bad posture. She doesn't, you know, it, it she... She is the prime example of someone being completely gorgeous while staying completely themselves. Mm. You know, she, oh, she's just, she's, I love her so much. <laughs> I know, I really do too. She's, she really, it is really is actually hysterical because she's not a glamour girl. She's not that kind no. of person. She is very, she's, but she, but she said she's is very glamorous. Yeah. She is. Well, she's, I've always said she's really like a model in a lot of ways because, <sighs> yes. That, that was John queefing everybody. Sorry. Sometimes uh, Millie makes me queef. <laughs> also stitching that on a pillow. Yeah, I was saying Millie makes me queef. Uh, you know, she's, she's like a model in a lot of ways because models are women who, if you take stripped away the makeup, the clothes, whatnot, you would see them and go, you know, what a lovely woman, but you wouldn't, you know, stop traffic for them. It's more the fact that their bodies and their faces are almost like a canvas that you yeah. can kind of mold into anything. And that is what Sutton Foster is, is that she is sort of like a chameleon of glamour. She can be glamorous in any decade, any style, because she is... I, it's hard to say this not making it sound like an insult. I really mean it in the best way possible. Mm. Mm-hmm. She is physically like a blank slate that you can just constantly reboot and make anything. And yeah. it's I and I and I do love it. And I've it I yeah, I can't even speak. Sutton Foster makes me tongue tied. She's she's just so she's so endearing and funny, but moving at the same time and honest and yeah and, 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 and i just love her and a voice that's just fucking goes for 
for miles. Mm. Just, you know, it's the Energizer Bunny of belts, in my opinion. Just it keeps going and going and going. Yeah. Yeah. Love her so much. I will, then, I will, I will end this this part with one other thing. Gimme Gimme always gets all the credit, but I'm actually a Jimmy fan, too. I mean, Jimmy's a great her, one. Her, her take on that song is just, and as an act one finale, oh, gorgeous. And on that note, I, <laughs> I, because if the more we talk about Sun, the more I want her to close us out tonight, but I would rather we wait till next week since this is, I've decided it's, this is Jan's it's week. It's Jan's week, yeah, without a yeah. doubt. Yeah, this is where we include Christine Taylor as Marsha in uh, the Brady Bunch movie. Sure, Jan. Uh, sure Jan sure Jan no this is 100% Jan's week so um let's 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 find a smooth way out of this shall we yeah yeah um how (laughs) I don't know honestly we got on the Sutton train and I blacked out for the last 10 minutes oh honey get on the Sutton train oh honey I've been riding that for years oh honey I'm not gonna get off oh honey because I've been getting off to Sutton for years oh my god it's just worse (laughs) it's worse John I want okay so I also like to say um, shout out to Little Miss Mackenzie. One of our listeners is a is a baking viewer mm-hmm. now bro, uh, breakdown listener. A BB fancy. listener. She's a, a, she's a, she's, she's a fancy. What? Yeah. Who's a what? Uh, the BB. Where's the BB? The BB. The, the BB. No, stop yeah. it. We can't. We. This is my point. This is my point. Our, our fans she's are called beavers. They're beavers. They're so. She's a she's a fancy. She's uh she's hey, a teenager. She's a child. She's a child, and she said, "Oh, I I love listening to the podcast." And I'm like, "Please tell me we're not corrupting you." Oh god! And she didn't respond really to that. So, oh no, I, I'm so sorry. I I think that we're, I think we are really corrupting the youth of America, John. Oh god! First it started with me at that newsies call, and now this. Oh no. <laughs> We're just we're telling all of the all of the teenage child chillin about the poppers and the BBs and the riding and the bottoms, but you know what? I think maybe this will give them a new perspective on some of their favorite newsies, and they'll now start going, "Hmm, top or bottom?" <laughs> Spoiler alert: They're oh, all bottoms. bottoms. Um. <laughs> well, I'm sorry for corrupting your children. Um. Not, I can't yours. take ownership. They're You're not their my mother. children. I'm, um, their, I'm their I'm their drag hi, mother. Mackenzie, I'm so sorry. I have a dirty, dirty pirate mouth. Never talk like this. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I yeah, apologize I to Mackenzie. That. Uh, it's fine. Oh my God. I, I, I was just... I was on TV promoting our our show last week. We were on a news channel, um, mm-hmm. the local Pittsburgh, you know, morning show, and. I, you know, it was early in the morning. I was feeling good. We had a show the night before, and so it's always interesting doing the show the night before and then getting up at the ass crack of dawn to have to sing on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was feeling really good about it. I was excited. I was like, oh, I'm not nervous at all. And then my cast member, Erica, uh, who I was performing with, just goes, oh, man, I... Oh, I just come on, Erica. She even she just said it as like an aside to herself. She was like, "Okay, Erica, just don't say fuck. Just don't say fuck. Just don't say fuck." And I was like, oh, "Fuck!" I was like, "I'm totally gonna say fuck." I was like, yeah. "I have such a like a potty mouth," mm-hmm. and I, I, all I then could think about was, "Oh my god, I'm gonna be one of those instances of of um of a nobody 
going on a, a, a news channel and being, you know, oh yeah, everything's great. The show's just, a, it's a fucking fun time, you know? And then <laughs> just, uh, and then the awkward pause. Yeah, you're going to be an internet sensation. Yeah, finally. Luckily, luckily, I did not say fuck. I, uh, our interview went great. Our, our, the lovely woman who is newscasting now, however, did um, fuck up my name, which was funny yeah, because they, I saw they, her had, they, they had, well, yeah, because I made like a little video about it because she had, um, and they had like, had, they had been very specific and, um, in their questioning of how to say both of our names, but of course, specifically mine, you know, was scavenged and she was drilling it. And right as she was saying it, I could see the terror in her eyes and it all just came flash, flashing back of the, the moment that I signed my equity contract saying, you know, my name, my equity name is going to be John Wiscavage. It all came flashing back. And I, I thought, you know, I did this to myself. I did it. That, and that's what your camp counselor said to you too. Well, no, he watched as I did it to myself. <laughs> Oh, oh, see, I thought it was more of a hands-on experience from his no, point of view. No, actually, well, no, it wasn't. I'm, I was not kidding about um, that, that man being in jail, but he did not touch me, which is long. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. yeah, I'm not kidding. Like, yeah. But people, people were molested at my church. Don't worry about it. So play us out, Jan. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. <laughs> Play us out, Jan. I'm John Oh my fuck! This is. I think. I don't think there's ever been a better time to hear some songs from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes. Yep. No. Let's get bang banged. Oh no. <gasps> okay. Oh no. Luckily, that's not the role she played. But still. Okay. Uh, so well, here we go. I'm one of your unmolested hosts, John Wiscavage. And I am one of your physically unmolested hosts, mm. Matt Koplik. Important. Um, can't, yeah, f- f- very important distinction there. Uh, until next time, this has been Broadway Breakdown. Uh, if you are under the age of 18, we're sorry we're corrupting you. If you're over the age of 18, you're already a lost Call cause. Me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. bye. <laughs> bye, everybody. Play us out, Chan. Bye. No, the point is, could you leave me? Well, I guess you could leave me the house. Leave me the flat. Leave me the Brocks and Chagalls and all that. You could leave me the stocks for sentiment's sake. And 90% of the money you make and the rugs and the cooks. Darling, you keep the drugs. Angel, you keep the books. Honey, I'll take the grand sugar. You keep the spinach and all of our friends. And just wait a goddamn minute. Oh, leave you. I have to confess Could I leave you? Yes Will I leave you? Will I leave you? Yes! Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 